Welcome to Jackass. It's episode 90-fucking-nine of the Humor in the Abject podcast. I'm your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. This week, I am pleased as punch to say that I've got... Emma, 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 Emma Coleman. She's on the show this episode. Emma was visiting Austin for a little over a week from Western Massachusetts, where she lives and makes drawings, paintings, zines and all other sorts of things. While here in town, she was doing this cool little residency working with students at the University of Texas. You may know Emma from Instagram as at M-E-I-O-W underscore mix. It's like a fucked up spelling of meow mix. Or you may have seen her at one of the New York art book fairs over the last several years. Or maybe you've seen her work at Jack Hanley Gallery in New York City. But if Emma's brand new to you, that's A-OK too. Thanks as always for tuning in. I can't believe that we're just one episode shy of 100 episodes. It feels kind of ridiculous and it's been really wonderful going along this journey with all of you. Here's my conversation with Emma Coleman. Emma Coleman, welcome to Humor in the Abject. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm very glad to have you. I'm catching you here at the tail end of a kind of a short-term residency that you've been doing with the printmaking department at the University of Texas here in Austin. Uh, what have you been working on since you've been here? So much. <laughs> um, I've been trying to squeeze as much studio time in 
as possible. So monotypes and etchings and Rizzo printing and prints galore. Making work with the students. Yeah. And also a ton ton of critiques, which I haven't done in so long. Oh, yeah. I, d- I did. Do you have any go-to statements that you like to say? Um, <laughs> no. I don't know. I'm always kind of like, I sound dumb. <laughs> like I can't I can't like I'm like I don't know what are you what are you thinking <laughs> right now <laughs> oh man it's pretty fun are they uh primarily print critiques they're all it was a paint a bunch of painters and uh conceptual some conceptual and there was like a video game artist there was like all over okay ran the gamut but it was intense because I haven't I get a little self-conscious in those settings. I'm like, what do I know? I'm a, I'm an amateur. Do you feel like they're looking to you for some expertise? Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> you're looking to the wrong person. It's a lot of pressure. Um, you've been to Austin before, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, but not under such institutionally sanctioned circumstances. Yeah, no, it was so far from this. What did you come here before for? Um, I used to go to this. Well, the first time I came here was for um, Chaos and Chaos. <laughs> punk festival that was not that was not corporately funded Hmm. so it was pretty like punk punk (laughs) punk (laughs) yeah but the first time i went was with an ex-boyfriend and i had just come back from study abroad from india and he was like i'm going to this festival and i'm gonna go without you if you don't like if you don't agree to go i'm just gonna go so i was like okay i'll go with you and he drove i didn't have my license at the time he Uh. drove straight from New York City to uh, Austin in 30 hours, <laughs> drinking oh. Baja Blast all the way. Mountain Dew Baja Blast. Yeah. Do you have to get that at Taco Bell? Or yeah. can you get your <laughs> Only right, Taco so. Bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So you were, okay, from New York City, but you were born in the Bronx. Is that right? Yeah, Manhattan. But it, yeah, I yeah. grew up in the Bronx. You grew up in the Bronx. Okay. Um, and so what was, uh, what was growing up in New York City all about? Um. Well, I grew up in Riverdale, which is more like suburb. I've heard of the show. Riverdale. Is it about that? <laughs> no, it's not. It's that is like a small town in Hobunk, wherever. Oh, okay. It's supposed to be like more Twin Peaksy. Okay, it's not, but it's the Archie universe or something. Yeah, like, but, but it's not the. But the thing is, I thought up. Archie was Riverdale, but it's not like River Riverdale. Oh, Riverdale's like it's very suburban. Some of the, like the most elite private schools are there. Okay. But I didn't go to private school. I went to public school. Hell yeah. P.S. what? P.S. 81. <laughs> and then computer school, which is like a small magnet school in Upper West Side. It's and then called Beacon. computer school? Yeah. First computers. Okay. This is just called computer school. The computer school. The computer school. <laughs> One and two. <laughs> Did you say Beacon? And then Beacon, yeah. What did you do in Beacon? Um, I Well, I danced ballet at... Alvin really? Alley. Yeah. Oh. So I was doing like pre-conservatory program after school. So I would do school and then dance school. Okay. So I was going, I was, it was crazy. And then, but I was also into art and I was into, I did art honors and stuff like that. But it was kind of like serious, like rigorous. Uh-huh. Um, but it was also created to be more alternative. Like we didn't have to take the regions and we had performance based assessments, which were like, we write papers and then you present them. Okay. So it was like, like you had to know, yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of like Hampshire is very similar to Hampshire. Okay. And that's, did you go to college mm-hmm. there? Yeah. And I went to Hampshire college. Okay. So you left the city and you went to Massachusetts. Were you, were you trying to get away from New York? I wasn't sure. Um, I just knew that I needed to be some like I just needed to go to college. Like my mom, <laughs> <laughs> my mom was like, "You are not not going to college. Uh, not an option. Not an option." Well, she was like, "You." She struggled to go through to school, so she was always like, "You and your sister are going to school, and you're going to graduate in four years." Jesus, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, so much pressure. But I went to Hampshire, which is like not like 
a normal college experience. Okay. Is it a liberal arts college? Yes. I know of it, but I kind of conflate like Hampshire and Amherst and like all of these. Yeah, the consortium. But it's like... The what? The five college consortium. I don't know what that is. That's in Western Mass. So it's Hampshire, Smith, Mount Holyoke, Amherst, UMass. Okay. The, you know, the members of Scooby-Doo. What? That's like how people. Okay. It's like represented. Whatever. It's this like is outside my purview, but I'm learning and I'm enjoying it's it. It's just like a stupid thing that people talk about when they talk about the five colleges. Okay. So like Shaggy's Hampshire. Okay. And Scooby Doo is I forget who Scooby Doo is. <laughs> oh, I think Fred is Amherst. Daphne is Smith. Whatever the dorky one is Smith. I don't Velma? know. Velma. Velma is Smith. Uh-huh. Daphne is Mount Holyoke. Okay. And uh, Scooby-Doo is UMass. Okay. Is that because U- is UMass like a townie college? It's more like... I'm sorry. A that's lot derogatory. Of, <laughs> just a lot of frats. Just like okay. party. Okay. Like party like Scooby-Doo. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. Were you studying <laughs> art at Hampshire? Not until my junior year. Okay. What did you decide to do when you got there? What were you going to do? I was going to be a science major. Okay. I wanted to be a marine biologist Mm -hmm. or to study. I wanted to study trees. So I took like a lot of science classes, but basically it was just like walking around the woods and um, coring trees. Coring? Like drilling holes? Like small, small holes that like you could count the rings. Oh, that's pretty cool. That was cool. But then I was like, this is kind of whack. So I went, I started going to like art history classes and, um, political theory classes like learning about i don't know john locke and uh-huh. Rousseau and stuff and then i was like this is crazy did you ever get into any like anti-civilization stuff like, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, well there was like <laughs> there was like definitely some of that in the uh-huh. course coursework cool like because hampshire the professors are like yeah here's like the basics of like Hobbes, Locke, whatever, Rousseau, and then here's some like fucked up, like, uh-huh. like let's go down a rabbit hole. Of, like, yeah, I think there's, there's too much stuff to constantly work and constantly consume. It's madness. Did you want to join a commune? No. I mean, <laughs> I was just like, what am I doing? I want to know more, uh-huh. but I don't know. This is like a weird... That's like, uh, I mean, it's... It's easy and kind of fun to like make fun of liberal arts colleges, but yeah. at the same time, it's like pretty cool because you get to kind of blow your mind or get all weird. Yeah. Like, Go far out. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, the art history classes at Hampshire were like colonialism in the visual art. And it was like, this is why everything's so fucked. Like, no but, shit. Yeah. Like, wow. it, that was like a really interesting to like interface like i i know whenever i go to a museum i'm always like everything's stolen this is insane like why uh-huh. like why do we have institutions like this there are value i mean i understand the value <laughs> in them but like you think about drag them yeah <laughs> there's a lot of institutional critique yes in in especially in this academic setting wow that's cool my man i went to arizona state for undergrad mm-hmm. and I mean, I guess it's it's probably partially my own fault because it's the classes that I took or whatever. But you had it was a pretty limited um, and uh, I guess like canonical would be a good way to put it. Art history curriculum. Like I kind of remember going from uh, in two semesters, like the caves of Lascaux to like Warhol. And then yeah. it was as if time stopped there and it was all focused on that really specific trajectory. Yeah. Except you had to take one uh, like non-Western. And so like Native American art history fell under that. And I remember taking Native Mar- uh, Native American art history class. And it was taught by this very well-meaning white lady. But every week she would wear, <laughs> she'd wear, depending on which region we were talking about, she'd wear like oh, a wow. brooch that was like sort of like traditional jewelry of that. Kind of, oh, kind of, God. Like, in hindsight, I was like, I remember the time being like, this seems kind of strange. And then now when I'm reflecting, I'm just like, that's a really weird way. It's like a really weird way to Interesting like, pedagogical tool. Yeah. <laughs> you see this brooch I'm wearing? Like, wow. <laughs> Uh, way to mark time so it sounds like you were doing a lot of different stuff and i got to see you give uh a talk i guess last week or yeah at last week here at the school and you'd mentioned though too in that that you kind of that you weren't really like imagining yourself being an artist necessarily like that you liked art but that wasn't kind of a fantasy it didn't feel possible Uh just because i mean my mom is from the she's such a 
badass and she's always like you know the sexier the job the harder it is to get okay so that's like kind of how she i was always like raised to think like ah you know i don't know if i can do that like Uh i don't know if i could be do the the one you know the one thing that i love doing is just like sitting and drawing somewhere like the idea of that being plausible or making money off of that is seems so far from what i can do so that was kind of like my mindset so i kind of like subverted all the you know the classes of art classes and being like ah you know maybe i should take like some crazy shit on the Arab Spring or mm. like whatever. It just like I was trying to be more practical or okay. pragmatic when it came to my education. So after college, I was like, no, I can do whatever I want. And I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? So and you didn't move back to New York, though. Yeah, I just didn't see the um, I didn't think I could do it there. Like I didn't think I could live there and be stable and have a job that I would make money at. <laughs> like, I just didn't see myself being able to do it. And also the proximity to, like, I don't know, being... My parents are that Like, I just didn't want my parents to feel, like, obligated to take care of me. Yeah, even. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like... It's not that they want... It's, they're not, like... I understand. You know? But I'm sure... Yeah, I'm sure that the appeal of New York City is very different as a young artist if you also grew up there and yeah. like your parents are based there it's not this kind of mythical place that you're yeah. kind of looking at from wherever you're living or going to college right. it's and just I, kind of I like, think well, the illusion goes away because like yeah i i remember my my dad is really into the arts i mean neither of my parents are artists but they're always like you we should go to the museum and i'd be like no <laughs> but we would go anyway uh-huh. and like see so much like i remember seeing matisse this matisse and picasso exhibit at moma and that really impacted me yeah. like no matter what you like whatever the western canon blah 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 but like that influences you as a child yeah and, pretty crazy shit to see as like a kid yeah and so like i felt i don't know when i when I moved to Western Mass, I was like, oh, there's nothing here. Like, there's no diversity. There's not enough art. Like, what am I doing? And then I stayed and there was a lot of stuff going on besides me living there, which was like, there was like a music scene and amazing books. and Noise like, bands? Noise bands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> noise bands, punks, whatever, like weirdo, eccentrics. Now a lot of people moved away, and it's kind of just me and my sister uh-huh. out there. Yo, but you have your sister there. Yeah, that's she's, pretty cool. Yeah, she's my best friend. So like we hang out and do stuff. But I have very, like my social interactions are really limited. I kind of am <laughs> just like wake up in the morning, go to the studio, and then like have dinner with Charlotte. That's like really my, yeah. My that, that's kind of like the that's the day you're just working yeah. on your stuff. Mm-hmm. It's pretty special though, right? Yeah, I love. I mean, it's so. It's so insane that I get to do that mm. and to me. Like, I'm always like, this is so magical. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I read this interview, though, <clears throat> that you did with uh, The Creative Independent, which anybody listening has probably read lots of interviews on there. And there's an interview with just about everybody, which is super cool on there. But there was this part where you're talking about kind of after college and you had this job working at this bakery. Mm-hmm. And it was you're just kind of like saying it almost like anecdotally but i i just have been and you mentioned that it was kind of this special place and i've been thinking about it since i read that because you're talking about how you're able to because it wasn't as expensive to live in western mass you could work at this place and they actually even though your job there wasn't to be an artist they were like pretty supportive of you Mm. wanting to go and do a book fair or wanting to go and do something else and it just really i guess it stuck with me because i've been thinking about how even friends of mine or myself when i've had jobs that are in in art you know like a capital a art job Mm -hmm. it's like your boss doesn't want you to be doing any interesting thing like it even if you're like wouldn't it be good for the organization if your employees were doing stuff and they're like no you can't have time off but it sounds like this place was like a funny like coincidence not coincidence isn't the right word but but like very hospitable to all of its workers just doing their own thing yeah um and i mean they were there were definitely some downfalls about the the bakery but it was really impactful for me because i could just go away and they'll rehire me and they loved they were so sweet to me they were like we want you to be work here i never actually fired i never <laughs> actually got fired no. did you bake i never actually quit that's what i meant to say were you a baker 
Not really. I, <laughs> I was like, least responsibility, please. Cool. So I, I would do a lot of the um, cleaning and uh, cashier. I was a cashier. So I, I actually loved that job because I got to know everyone in the town. So I could, and I still run into uh, customers, like my clients on the street. <laughs> like I'm still seeing them everywhere, even in New York, even in other countries. I'll see yeah. people who go to the bake from, you know, would go frequent the bakery. It'd be cool to call them your collectors. My collectors. Yeah, like the people who come in and get like a croissant. <laughs> yeah, batad. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking cool, though. That sounds fun. And you said in that that you were like doing flyers and stuff for yeah, them. Yeah, I made the, they have a bread festival every year. A bread fest. Yeah, they have a parade. They march down Main Street every what? year. Like waving baguettes? Yeah. What? Like puppets. With, they're very much like bread and puppets. Oh, but, really? But like, they're not bread and puppets. But not related. Not related. Just their own. Just they they're hippies who love bread, who are devoted to um, sourdough. Yeah, that, dude. Yeah. My girlfriend had a, a sourdough starter for a long time. We had to sacrifice it when we moved. Yeah. Yeah, it lives on in Oregon and Tucson. <laughs> wow. Two friends have like little offshoots from it. That's so, so cool. So it's still alive, which you is to pretty feed, cool. I got to feed the starter. Yeah, yeah. It it's, was it was quite an ordeal. It's a pretty interesting like sci- scientific thing that happens. Like it gets yeast from the air. Yeah, yeah. It's so crazy. It's quite amazing, yeah. And then you just kind of dump out half of it and mix some more and stuff. And it just in regenerates. It's so, it's a living thing. Yeah, it's, like, it's quite badass. Yeah. And then you get this really good bread. Yeah. Which my sister has like, um, I don't know exactly what the diagnosis is, but she's very sensitive to wheat. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if she has celiac or whatever it's called, but she could eat the sourdough. Yeah. And feel fine. I mean, I don't think she felt amazing because she's like sensitive to that stuff, but radically different. Yeah. She ate some like fresh sourdough bread and she was like, what the fuck? I feel great. Yeah. They, um, so the Hungry Ghost Bakery in Northampton, they started this initiative where they got local farmers to grow local wheat uh-huh. and with the local wheat and the sourdough starter a lot of people who are allergic to wheat or gluten-free or whatever could eat this bread no shit and it because wheat is so processed in america yeah, yeah. and we just you know it's like homogenized it's just like not good to eat fucking sliced bread it's just never mm. good to eat. so um i don't know they have a really great product they still are making bread they're they make all sorts of stuff. You can think of a sourdough starter as sort of like, in its own way, a printmaker. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it is continuous. There's unlimited editions. <laughs> yeah. It's only an edition based on kind of an arbitrary decision of the baker to say, I'm only making this many of them. Yeah. Thing. Like, really, you know. Yeah. Artificial scarcity. It's true. <laughs> it's so true. It's That's a really beautiful way to put it. Um, so you do, but you, okay, so people know your work through, you do a lot of like Sumi ink uh, pieces and watercolor and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. you're also a printmaker, but you started doing zines in like 2012. Yeah. Is that right? Um, yeah. What, I, I was wondering about that because I'm just thinking about the dates and it's like, okay, by 2012, maybe not as ubiquitous, but People are already connecting and stuff on the internet. Yeah. So what drew you to this kind of like the thing that when I talk to other people like, oh, yeah, when I was in high school, I did zines because it helped me connect with blah, blah, blah. Was it the same kind of mentality? Kind of. I just wanted graduated college and I was like, I need to do something Uh that like, like connects me to other people because, yes, I was by choice was living in a small town, um, but I wanted to make a art practice for myself that because mm-hmm. after college i did do a thesis show um but it didn't i didn't feel prepared to like i'm like what do you do when you yeah. graduate college what do Nothing. you do when you're you flip out yeah you have a melt- <laughs> meltdown and you're like i need to do all this random shit i for me i was like i need to learn as much sh- stuff as possible so i would go to the library and like take out books that i hadn't read yet and like like frantically look through the pages because i was like i didn't learn this in school like i don't know what i'm doing um like for me i didn't take any like oil painting classes uh-huh. in college so i was like oh like, that's fucking hard i don't want to learn that yeah i took one i just didn't know <laughs> that you should i don't know like i there was no curriculum so i was like i don't know like what do artists do like, uh-huh. but so i made zines <laughs> and zines were a way for me to like i loved uh i watched 
movies and I watched like I I was just going through all the repertoire, like trying to figure out like what stuck. Yeah. And um so I started I got these like they're they're Eric Carl coloring coloring books that okay. were sequential. So they had like a, a square at the top that's like the drawing, and then there were lines at the bottom. So I got these books and I was like, this is a way for me to write a story or narrative, like a comic almost. And I just got really into illustrating and writing poetry um poetry i don't know it's fine it's like or whatever it was i think it's cool to call stuff poetry don't worry about it (laughs) yeah i guess (laughs) i don't even know what it is it's like there's so many grammatical errors it's like very it was like very very poetry it's very stream of consciousness like extremely poetry yeah now i think so and then somebody who's a poet is listening and going fuck off Sean. (laughs) (laughs) is that (laughs) is that trending i think think that there's a I think that there's almost like, well, in many ways it could, I guess some of it maybe is like a little twee, but in another way, I think a lot of it isn't a real, actually like kind of political framework that is kind of anti-colonial in, in like use of language. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just being like, fuck you. I'm not going to follow all these arbitrary things. Right. These schools of this or that that say yeah. one way or the other. So that's what I mean by it's very now. I'm sort of making a joke, but also like, I think it is like, yeah. that's kind of. Who cares if you, like, why do you have to Well, I always to... felt like I was probably dyslexic or something because I, like, skip words a lot in my writing. So huh. <laughs> I'm like, this is kind of poetry or this is just, like, my weird brain trying to formulate sentences. Really? Do you, I can't read. I have gotten really bad at reading out loud. Yeah. I mean, I don't have to do it very often. It's not really, like, a skill that I guess many people cultivate. But sometimes if I have to read things out loud, I I am thinking too far ahead i'm flipping out but then i don't have i don't myself have a problem reading like a a book i'm okay with that but something about maybe it's the performative part it's definitely it sounds like the performative part. yeah so i don't think it's i think it's more just i'm freaking out i don't actually have any thing that could be diagnosed i think just an (laughs) egomaniac who's afraid of (laughs) stumbling over a word (laughs) no it's really nerve-wracking to read out loud i mean i love reading out loud like my sister and i would read to each other sometimes we found this book on um ancient symbols and we were reading it to each other as we went to bed but like i can't it's hard you guys roommates we yeah well I have my own apartment, but I stay at our house all the time. That's really we're, cute. Yeah, we're always like, I don't want to go. <laughs> my sisters are roommates. Really? Yeah, in Denver. It's fun. I love going to stay with them. It it's must really be fun. Easy. Yeah, just it's super both easy. Your sisters are well, they both work in like the public school systems. They get up hell of early, and so I sleep on like a blow up mattress in their living room, and I can hear them like grinding coffee and clinking their little cereal bowls <laughs> and stuff in the morning. So I don't really get to sleep in very late. But yeah. But yeah, I that's cool. I'm glad you have a tight relationship with your sister. Yeah. I think sibling stuff is, it's really special when it's tight, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think we didn't get along for most, like, our childhood. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, because I'm five years older than okay. her. So I think I was always like, you're copying me. Sure, you know, like, she was. totally. Yeah. I'm the oldest too. Yeah. yeah. She was definitely copying you. Yeah. But then we would always... <laughs> fight but she's like so brilliant and so smart and like handles a lot of like stuff in my studio like if i need um i don't know she she's like the organized person i'm like the messy person that's cool so she's she has such a way with like like she's our she's an archivist like she's really into like familial history so she does that to all the work in my studio so she'll put she'll put timelines on all of the pieces that's good because you make a ton of shit right yeah yeah <laughs> i have a lot of shit and i have a lot of shit that isn't it's not they're not objects it's all like flat so yeah it's but it does take up space, like a full flat file of yeah, stuff. yeah no that can start to fill up and it's actually sometimes it's hard well it's harder to go through right if it's flat, I mean, even if it's yeah. in a flat file because you're just like uh-huh, it's yeah. a ton of stuff yeah i just and i have an archive like i started because um i live in northampton the smith library is amazing the art library is incredible and there's a huge flatbed scanner that i would go and use really and so all my stuff is pretty much documented from like 2012 to now um so i would spend like when i wasn't when i was like really bored or not into what i was doing i would bring all the work that i had just made and just like scan it and see like go through it nice 
Do you sneak into the library or they let you use it? Well, it's open to the public, but I don't think I'm technically allowed to use the scanner. That's fine. That's okay. That's like very zine of you to use it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like, <laughs> well, it's, my sister went to Smith. Like, Oh, okay. Friends, well, and I went to Hampshire. Should be allowed to use it's it. It's one of the five. Yeah. yeah it's it's, the, the, it's the other. It's in the mystery machine. Yeah. It's in the van. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. When I made zines at... When I started making them again when I was an adult, I did it at PNCA where I used to work. Mm-hmm. And I just ran thousands of copies off on their fucking photocopier. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was, I was so stressed out when I was doing it. And I don't, I mean, I don't, I guess I don't really care if they know now, but I was so afraid I was going to get in trouble for it. But I did yeah. it all the time. But it was because I wanted to, I sell them at printed matter for three bucks. Yeah. So I only got a dollar fifty for each one. And yeah. you only get a check like once every six months. So I get a right. check for like $36. <laughs> so funny. But, oh my God. And then people used to come in, like in the administrative offices, and they'd just be like, where's all the black ink? And I was just like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> But then it, it forces them to replace the toner sooner. Yeah. Oh my God. One time I tried to replace one of the toner things myself. Um, yes. And I didn't, I had never replaced one. Um, which is so embarrassing to admit as a zine stir or whatever. No, <laughs> I'm, I've never, I, I don't trust myself replacing I was one. like, I, you know, I found it and I was like, okay, I'm going to put this in and I opened the machine up and it's like a tube that you slide yeah. in there. Um, and for some reason, I don't know why I thought this, but it had like a cap on one end of it. And I was like, oh, this must be, you must open this. And I opened it and it just exploded and just this black powder went all over the room and it's carpeted. <laughs> The fucking room was carpeted and it was just in everything. I was like, oh my God, just the densest, blackest toner everywhere. And I was just like, oh my God, it took me like seven hours to clean it up. And I was like, got like a vacuum cleaner. And then I was, was like, it like a dusty? It was like the. It was like carbon powder. Yeah. Yeah. And it was. Oh, it's not good to breathe that in. Oh, I'm sure it was terrible. I'm going to, I probably shaved years off my life just to like. <laughs> Well, the and, stress of cleaning well, you know what, that up. The next up. <laughs> day, it occurred to me after I'd done all this was like, what if I just said that I was just trying to change the toner? I could have just said that. I yeah, didn't it have been to. Fine. Yeah, but no, I assumed, you know, I was like, they're going to know I was doing something bad. So you just told them that you were using. No, I cleaned everything up. And I made it completely. Said... No one knew. Yeah. It took me all night. It was oh the God. dumbest thing I've ever done. Well, wow. no, that's not true. <laughs> but uh, intensely stressful. <laughs> it sounds intensely stressful. Um, and you've done the, you've done the book fair a bunch of times in New York, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When did you start doing that? Um, I think 2014 was okay. my first year. I um, my friend Heather Benjamin. Do you know her work at all? She that name sounds familiar. She but does I'm a, not going to pretend like I know who she is. <laughs> she I does don't. like a lot of like erotic, very detailed. Hmm. um illustrative work and she i asked her i was like we weren't that close at the time and i was like hey can i like put stuff at your table (laughs) can i muscle in on your (laughs) yeah because i was like they i would send stuff to pretty matter all the time they would never accept any of my things really yeah, because I was just like... Well, a fuck them. Yeah. Uh, no, well, Max, I... Yes. Keith, if you're listening, I'm just playing. Just kidding. Well, no, it was really just like they didn't know me and I was like coming yeah. from Bumblefuck, like who cares? So... They also get a ton. Of, I mean, they get a shitload ima- of stuff. I'm I can't sure. imagine going through and sorting all that. Like, when I was like... Back in the day when I was doing like zines all the time, I was like, yeah, I would totally love that job going through all the zines. Oh and I'm like, actually, no. <laughs> it sounds insane. Like you would have to you would have to go so fast. And the whole process of like looking at other people's work, you know, it means so much to it yeah, meant so much yeah. to me to have one zine at Printed Matter. Yeah, it really does. It was like such a I was like, this is so crazy. Like they sell like. I don't know, Yoko Ono, but whatever. Yeah. I was just like, this is so special. I feel honored to, that you have one. So, a hundred percent. When I, I think I got one in like 2010 or something. I it was the biggest deal to me. Yeah, it was insane. I was so excited, and I would take photos of it in printed matter, like yeah. on the shelves, and like post it on Facebook. And yeah, just be like, check it out. You know, and I like I was very excited because it's a. I don't know. It's the place. It's an institution. For that it yeah. is like an institution that meant means something um, in that world. Like it's not. It's affordable. Like mm-hmm. my, you know, you can buy zines there for no money by people you admire. It's yeah. like really, it's special in that way. 
Um, I know people love to hate on it and love to be like, whatever, it's stupid. But like, it is a really, like, I don't know. Uh, there, if it closed, it would be really devastating. Yeah. It's the place where when I took, uh, like when I was teaching at Dia Beacon and I took my teens to the city, that's like where they wanted to go. And every time yeah. that we went there, it blew their minds. They loved it. And they would like request that we go back. And I was like, you guys, we only get to do a field trip every few months. Like, we should really go to like new museum or go to something else and they're just like we'd like to go to printed matter again and i was like okay <laughs> i mean i'm happy to take you there but yeah um did you do where do you where do you table did you do the I, zine tent? okay well now i've been you tabling inside oh yeah and it's because my friend shannon who uh recently you know passed away a yeah. year ago he was so encouraging of me to he was really the one of jordan and shannon were really yeah. great um but they were like you should be inside like they just decided like i went from the zine tent to the dome and then graduated into the hell yeah into the hot sweaty like inside humidity. yeah which is actually like probably the worst because it's hotter the than the tent, tent the zine tent is actually like yeah it's hot but you can roll up the flaps mm-hmm. at least and mm-hmm. people like doing some crazy shit in there mm-hmm. like hanging out blasting music i don't know i i'm like should i be with the people hell yeah why not yeah oh i thought you meant you'd be with the fancy people and i was I, saying yes you should i was like kind of last year i was like oh man should i be with the zine people again hmm. can i do that can, can i do both yeah or can i like, we start like a vanity like a sub label yeah. that's like you're sort of like i don't know i'm trying to, i'm grasping for an example of something like that but you know what i mean like start like a indie offshoot of your yeah. own indie production yeah i'm like where do i go do you have like know. a snappy name or do you just do it under your just name? Just my name. Okay. I never had a, I was like, I wish I had an idea for press or what would I call it, but I'm already bad at titling things mm-hmm. that I'm just like, it's just my, my zines. That's cool. It probably worked out for you because people were like, I know who made these. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, a lot of them, I think for a while, I, a lot of, most of the time I would sign my work EKK mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people didn't know who that was. Hmm. Um. And I was like, I don't know why I did that. I think I just didn't want. I was like having a hard time with like the Emma yeah. of the Colvin. Okay. Do you get stressed out at the fair? It's overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every year I'm always like have a nervous breakdown. It's just like <laughs> because you just can't breathe and yeah. you're like, there's so many people you want to see or talk to or connect mm-hmm. with. And, um, and there's so many random people that you meet that mm-hmm. you wouldn't normally meet. Yeah. So what happened between, okay, so you are, you're sticking around in Western Mass and you're working at the bakery, you're making zines and stuff and you start doing the book fair and stuff. So there's this like, there's kind of a jump there, right? Between yeah. like, and then now you're represented in New York. Yeah. Like what happened? Um, I... Say they found you at the book fair. No, no. <laughs> no, it was more like that happened last year. So okay. that was more of a random thing, I think. I I think well I was showing I was going and showing in DIY spaces and that was a lot of like you know there was this my friends and I created a space in Northampton that was in a storage unit and Mm -hmm. that was like one place where we would show work and my friend Sonia and I made a a show together and she now her name is come Sonia Sumbrui. She does come tees. Um, but that was like one of the spaces where we really kind of pushed ourselves. So that and then coupled with like scene stuff and making flyers and traveling around the city, uh, around America, basically and just meeting people. And then my friend Callie invited me to do a group show with V1 Gallery. And that's the work did really well in Denmark. And so that's kind of like they were the first to represent me, kind of. Okay. The V1 gallery. And Inter- you went international. First. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really interesting because I was like, this is weird. Like, uh-huh. I don't even know. Danish. Danish. Or I don't even know. This is like a it's random. The power of art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> power of the movement. The emotive. Yeah. Um, but that was really crazy because I was like, shit, like, what does that mean? Is that, do they represent me or uh-huh. what is that? Like, 
And I was always are into... You in a, yeah, are you in like an exclusive relationship? Yeah, do... I don't know. I like kind of don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe in that. I want to be free. Sure. Yes. I want to be free forever. Mm-hmm. But it's not... That's not the case. But um, yeah, they have been really supportive and help like showing my work pretty frequently and then i did a show with them this year yeah it's been kind of a strange trajectory because i kept doing my art practice all throughout this time i just had a service job or i was doing other things to supplement my income so i never really like stopped making i just really focused on stuff and yeah yeah kind of like I don't know. I just would make a big deal out of doing a DIY show. Putting the same kind of effort into it as you would. Yeah. Else. Yeah. Or reaching out to people and being like, hey, I like your art. Like, what's your deal? Or mm-hmm. um, Sliding into people's DMs. Yeah. But this was like early on. I feel like now it's kind of whack. Like, <laughs> you know, like early on, it felt like instant messenger. Yeah. Yeah. No. And there's also, I mean, there's, I, there's a pretty big difference between like sliding into somebody's DMs and like contacting somebody because you're interested in what they do like earnestly yeah regardless of the platform that you do it on like there's a pretty big difference i don't know it it sounds so dorky i don't know uh, any other way to say it but like i just literally would be like hey like we are into the same shit like (laughs) what's up no and it i swear to god i've talked about this before but it is kind of astounding how um nice and receptive a lot of people are if you contact them and kind of explain the context you're not trying to get something out of the person but you're just like yeah. hey, i really like what you do and i kind of see some conversation between what i'm doing i just want to share it with you and like i'm stoked on what you do because it if people aren't like jeff coon's level successful it, even if you kind of perceive them as successful they probably aren't getting fucking fan mail yeah you know like it kind of all of the people that i know when they hear from like someone who's interested in their work who's just doing it because they like what they do, they're usually pretty like, holy shit, man. You know? Yeah. Like, it's a pretty cool feeling. I I mean, whenever someone, like, even the students here have been so amazing. And it's always like, whoa, you really think so? Like, that's so nice to hear that, you know? (laughs) Um, Like, what's your story? Like, what are you you about? Or why do you relate to this? Because I'm always curious. I don't know. I Some people were receptive and some people weren't. But, like, a lot of the people... I am friends with now we've like I maintain relationships because of the like social media yeah um and not in an earnest way not in like a vapid like shallow way yeah yeah um but as a way to just kind of stand to be social I mean yeah. what, the, what the media sort of presents itself as being, wish whereas... you know w- I wish that it was like that mm. all the time but it really isn't yeah. um and I feel like I got on Instagram pretty early on because I loved the idea of like I love other people's photos like i love the idea of being a voyeur into their Mm -hmm. world yeah so it was nice to have like oh whoa like this person lives on the opposite side of the earth but we can still maintain a relationship and have like we're into the same bands like we're into cocktail twins or whatever (laughs) you know like so there's that but now i feel like i don't know it's really blown out like it's always been blown out but now i feel <laughs> the algorithm and all that sure. shit. Is well, like, you have a fuck ton of people following you now. I don't know. It's you have like thirty thousand. Yeah, but that's I, that's ton. not real. I'm like, I also, <laughs> <laughs> that's like not real. Okay. I don't think I. To me, I don't really. I'm like, are they? Are these people real or bots or like hackers? Like how do hackers? They, like I never think that they're like following mm. me because they like the work. Like I'm always like, you're. Until, like, I meet all 30,000 of you. Uh-huh. <laughs> you should throw an event. Yeah. You should have a bread parade. Yeah, a festival. Yeah, a festival in your own honor. Your own <laughs> so, environment. <laughs> so art. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. Um, well, it sounds like, okay, so you're doing, you're doing, like, art as your job, and you're making a living off what you're doing and stuff, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool, but it sounds like you're kind of being, I guess, the not cautious but you're being practical about it it sounds like you're not jumping the shark on like well i had a solo show so now i'm gonna like take this massive step or something and kind of like expand or change your life radically or something but you're being a little more kind of measured i guess it's i don't know i don't even know what that means like i'm like am i practical like i do (laughs) stupid shit all the time it's like Uh 
I don't. Um, but you didn't like buy a. You didn't buy a loft in Soho. Oh hell no! <laughs> like I didn't even. I my cousin gave me his car. Like I. Nice. <laughs> what do you got? A Prius. Hell yeah! Me my too. First what ca- year? 2007. Dude, me too. Really? Yeah. Silver. Oh, ours is maybe. It's like a dark gray. Oh. It's like the color of every Prius I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I it's my first car. I got my license when I was 27. <laughs> so <laughs> I am like kind of a new driver. Uh-huh. Um and so it's been really Do you turn off the display? My sister does. Yeah, drives me insane. It's really bright. Well, I keep looking at it cuz I'm trying to get the best gas mileage and I'm going to slam into yeah, someone. I know. <laughs> I know. I've already like, I don't know. It's such a weird thing having. It's like a house. It yeah. is. It's like having a I'm house. I'm terrified. You know what is the weirdest thing? So, well, because I lived in Portland before. I lived in New York and then I didn't have a car in most of these places. Yeah. And I'm so terrified of parking. Not the act of like, I have, I'm like, okay, at parallel parking now. I'm not great. I'm not going to pretend like I'm really yeah. good at it. But leaving the car and being like, this is fine. And then, like, going away, not that I'm afraid somebody's going to vandalize it, but I'm just like, this is going to get towed. Yeah. Someone's going to take the car. Yep. And it's going to be really expensive to get it back. I'm, like, so afraid. If there's not, like, a a thing that says park here and pay for it. Yeah. And tells me how to do that. I, like, don't trust. That's that almost happened to me before. allowed to leave the car. Yeah. It's, it's such a weird thing. Like, it's like a kid or, I yeah. don't know. It's very expensive. Very expensive. And I also am like, I I love b- walking like that was primarily I would walk to and from work mm. every day, even in the snow. Like I was like really dedicated to not driving. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Walking sun, man. I but, like to I always look at my little health app on my phone. Tells yeah. Me how much I walk that day. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's so fun. good for you. But it's like you come out here or you go to L.A. or you go wherever they everywhere else. has. I mean, I, Massachusetts, I have to have a car. Yeah. It's crazy. But. But you made it to twenty seven. Yeah, I made it. But you just lived like a like a one mile radius. Kind yeah. Of life. Well, then, I mean, Very my local. friends, I feel so lucky that they cared at all to pick me up and bring me places because uh-huh. that was like a lot of like bring me to work every day, like because <laughs> like I would maybe hitchhike or go like on a public transportation. The public transportation ran twice a day. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Or I would bike seven miles, mm-hmm. but it just was like such an insane, like, I don't know how I did it. People were just really nice to me. I'm very lucky. <laughs> I felt that way about having a cell phone. Mm-hmm. I finally got one, but I mean, not how, did, you, did you like wait it out for I, a long time? I waited pretty long. I didn't have a cell phone in college at all. You had a home phone? I had a landline. Yeah. So cool. And I mostly, I mean, and I was only doing it because I didn't have the money to get a cell phone. Yeah. Honestly. Um, and then I ended up getting one. I wasn't like anti cell phone. I was just like, I can't afford like another thing. And then I ended up getting one because it just got to a certain point where um, I would have plans to meet people at some place. And it was like, and they wouldn't make it. They, they wouldn't make it. Or they were like, dude, well, there's no way to tell you that, you know, you made these plans three days ago and something came up that morning, but you Isn't like left crazy? to go to work and we couldn't get in touch with you. There's no way to tell you that like this thing happened. And, or I could have, or everybody maybe just didn't like me, which is also, it's so crazy. Also like, you were like one of the last people on earth who had a cell phone. It's like I had like a calling card. I yeah. used to like have to like go to like the, the, pay, phone. the pay phone and like do the calling card because everybody's phone numbers were like, long distance. Isn't it crazy to be teaching at a school where people don't know what that's like? Yeah. Like they don't know what it's like to not go somewhere without GPS uh-huh. or not be able to be in contact. I think about like parents. You just have to you must it's like people when people get like a doorbell camera on their house yeah. that they can watch on their phone, I imagine that the temptation, they're just such obsessive yuppies that they yeah. look at it all the fucking time, right? Yeah. To see what's going on. Like you got to know what's there. going on. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, if you have a child and they have a smartphone, you probably just have that thing turned on where you know where they are all the time, which it's, seems to me, and people, I don't mean to sound old, but come on. Like I'm trying to ride my bike down by the river and smoke a cigarette. Yeah. I don't need you to know where I am. Hello. <laughs> I mean, I I just think that there needs to be like everything is so and this is happening to all American cities, you know, or everywhere in the world. It's like becoming <laughs> like manufactured and nice. Yeah. And and like uh what's the word? Like manicured okay. in this way. Yeah. Like New York, 
the same thing like we were up to no good like my me and my friends we just like hang out on stoops Mm -hmm. and that was like what we would do all night we would walk from like you know battery park city to 110th street and that's what we did Mm -hmm. that was like our bad thing a lot to see yeah but it would i don't know like maybe it was a good thing that my parents didn't know what i was doing yeah or no, like entirely i'm extremely glad that my parents didn't know what i was doing all the time or just like i wasn't even like a particularly bad kid I yeah just, the same i just wanted to be free and yeah. it, that's like the thing that i can't imagine i think kids who have too much con- there's too much control in their life i think has they have a lot more issues like i can't imagine yeah. having like parents that were always telling you what to do or where to be or how to look or <laughs> i remember one time when i was a kid i was grounded and i wasn't allowed to ride my bike um and my dad he's like a he loves running like my dad's like an avid runner not like marathons but he just like mm-hmm. ran every day um and he went for a run and i was like fuck yeah so i like went out and got my bike and i knew his route that he ran on because sometimes i would like bike with my dad while he went on a run so i went a different I just went to like another part of like my neighborhood or town or whatever. And because he wouldn't run through there, or at least I could time when he would. And he changed up his route that day. And he found and, and he you? saw me. And I remember just being like, oh no. And I like tried to swerve and go down an alley to get away from him. And then I like ran home and I parked the bike and went inside and came home. And he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, so crazy. I clearly saw you. And I was just like, <laughs> that's hilarious. Just being a weird little kid. But that would be like, ew, anytime they kind of call you, you know? Yeah. I don't know, but. <laughs> surveillance child surveillance it's cool well emma i know that you have more printing to do <clears throat> but i want to say thank you so much for spending some time thank you so much having for a conversation having me. with me yeah and everybody so, out there listening please check out emma's work you can go to your website you yeah. can check out your instagram there's all kinds of stuff online yeah anywhere to order zines you have like a Prim- store right yeah i have my own store but yeah. printed matter has zines of okay. mine i actually have to restock there and if you go in, I mean, ask for it by name because then they'll be like, we got to get some more of these. Yeah. It's all good. So, well, Emma, thank, thank you so you much. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here <laughs> beyond this pod. <laughs> and everybody out there, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>